Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. According to pastor and author John Ortberg, a fictitious manual for the Peace Corps volunteers headed for South America offers advice on how to handle a chance encounter with an anaconda. You know an anaconda is this large type of boa constrictor. You go, yes. This is a list of instructions under the heading, what to do if attacked by an anaconda. Okay? Some of you are thinking of the movie with Jennifer Lopez and all of that stuff, but just think about this. Here's what we should do. Number one, he writes, if an anaconda attacks you, do not run. A snake is faster than you are. That's number one. Number two, he says, lie flat on the ground. Okay? Number three, put your arms tight by your sides and your legs tight against one another. Number four, the snake will begin to climb over your body. Number five, do not panic. Number six, the snake will begin to swallow you from the feet end. Number seven, step six will take a long time. Step eight, after a while, slowly and with little movement as possible, Reach down, take your knife, and very gently slide it into the snake's mouth. Then suddenly sever the snake's head. Number nine, be sure your knife is sharp. Number ten, be sure you have a knife. John Ortberg quotes these humorous instructions and then makes a serious point. Quote, you never really know what curves life will throw at you, what's lurking around the corner. But when you're called, and you will be called, you need to know what to do, end quote. Well, he goes on, sorry. If you wait until a crisis hits, because it will hit, you'll have waited too long. You need to be prepared first. Once you have a prepared plan, then it's time to do something about it, end quote. So, as we come to Psalm 42, we're going to be reminded of a prepared plan that God has for each one of us that are under attack. And if we were to take a moment to think about the world we live in, and even some of the spiritual um, attacks that we're going through, I want to make this kind of super clear. Because sometimes when we think that we get a flat tire, that we're under attack, And it's the fact that you ran over 15 nails in a construction zone. You understand what I'm saying. We, I'm under attack. Not everything that happens to in life is an attack. But what David is going to go through is definitely under attack. And you guys, if you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know when the enemy is attacking. You know exactly who it is. You know how he operates. And what I find interesting, if you were to take back, take a look back at your life, you'll see that he pretty much uses the same MO in your life. Like for, for, for a while, you'll be set on cruise. You're doing good. Everything's good. Life seems to be good. Everything seems to go long. And the same thing will be blindsided and you're under, you go, I can't believe I saw this. And then things will go okay for a little while. And then again, what'll happen is you'll boom, you'll be blindsided. And he uses the same thing over and over and over and over and over. 
And Psalm 42, again, he wants to remind us. And that's why I thought of the little silly thing of attack. We're under attack. Why? Because God, guys, God has a prepared plan. What should we do if we're under attack? What should we do? I can't say for sure, and I'm not a prophet, but I believe if we live any longer in this world, the Christian is going to be come under even a fierce attack. As a matter of fact, I read somewhere where the word of God being preached in certain countries is now considered hate speech, and they're going after pastors. That hasn't happened here, but that could be a possibility. You guys are acknowledging what you guys know. But see, it's not only pastors. It's going to be the believer. The believer in general, as you live your life fully devoted, follower of God, you are going to see that the enemy is going to come against you. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Psalm 42 and 43 were written at the same time, and basically you can almost say that it's one psalm. It's actually broken up into two different ones. But this psalm is a single yet sad, beautiful poem in which David writes as he's on the run from his own flesh and blood. Can you imagine? Now, although the writer isn't mentioned here, church, um, most believe David is the author. And if he is the author, David has penned this psalm during a period where his son Absalom is rebelling. And so think about it. Your own flesh and blood has turned on you, is out to get you. When I think of Absalom rebelling towards David, it reminds me of Judas with my Jesus. You guys know the story, but for the sake of our study, think about Jesus. Jesus had walked with Judas, and it wasn't one of those tension things. It wasn't like, hey, I don't think I should have Judas here. He really bugs, you know. It's only been a couple of nights, and, and Lord, are you sure, Judas? Because just, we just rub each other the wrong way. You know, you have those people that no matter what you do, you just rub each other the wrong way. It's okay. That's fine. But I think Jesus and Judas guys were were friends. They got along. They laughed. They caught up. They 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 really they, he loved Judas. And there he is, and he knows all things, and he's in the garden. And here comes Judas. Here comes one of his best friends. And maybe some of you have felt the pain of a best friend betraying you. And he comes up and he kisses Jesus on the cheek. And it was. It's that rebellion. And if Judas could, if Jesus could talk to Judas for a moment, I wonder if he'd say, hey, listen, I, I love you. I know what you're doing. I know you don't understand, but I really want you to believe. You saw the miracles. You, you were with me night and day. Judas, what are you doing? Well, David has that same heart, but it's not a friend. It's his son. It's a son. And I think, where would your attention be if a family member turned on you, rebelled against you, and really wanted you killed? Think about what's going on here. So David, again, pens this psalm. 
And during this time, he endured the oppression of his enemies and rumors that God had forsaken him. And there was no deliverance for him in God. So the psalm, guys, Psalm 42, depicts a struggle that many of us experience. You go, what do you mean? Well, when, when we're in the midst of being attacked by our enemy. Now, folks, listen. Here's what I want you to realize. You are in a battle for, the, for our very souls. We're in a battle for our very souls. Our battle is against Satan. And if you know how it feels to lose something, then you should know how it feels to have Satan try again and again to rip out your heart, your mind, and your soul. You see, his greatest pleasure is to destroy you and me. We have to understand that. Unfortunately, many of us don't realize that Satan is alive and is active and he seeks to destroy us. Many of us think that he's not even he's not even a player in our lives. And yet that's the very thing he wants to do. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. As a pastor, as a shepherd, I am privileged to be with people who go through very hard times. You go privileged? It is a privilege. When someone who's hurting, maybe they've lost somebody, and they invite me in to walk with them through this pain, I count it a privilege. I count it a privilege. But what we need to understand, church, listen to me very carefully. When that happens, when we're under attack, when something, whether we lose, a, when we have the loss of a loved one, or, or you're going through a very rough time, or whatever it might be, here's what I need you to know. Satan doesn't back off. Okay? Many times, that's when he attacks even harder. When people are down and hurting. You have to jot that down. You have to realize. Take this as a warning. Okay, okay. Why? Because it's been said that every Christian is either in the midst of a battle, coming out of a trial, or about to go into one. So, again, we need to know. We need to know. And here's the truth. Part of living in this earth, listen to me, means that we will lose people that we love. Now, I hate it, but it's true. It's true. I didn't ask Beverly's permission, and I hope it's okay, but Beverly gave us a scare a while back. And when Brother Joe called us on January 1st to come and pray because Beverly was not doing good, my heart sank because I thought, oh no. And I realized that losing somebody you love is very, very hard. The hope that we have is that we were going we're going to see each other again. But it still does it still hurts when you're on earth. Thank God that the Lord saw fit to keep Beverly here to bug me for a few more years. I heard an amen. You've heard it said before 
that the moment you give your life to Jesus, you become public enemy number one. And yet, what I found, listen to this, many people don't believe that Satan exists. And I found that interesting. There was a study completed by a Christian research group, which is headed by George Barna. Listen to these amazing conclusions. 62% of people believe Satan is only a symbol of evil. 62%. Now, this is even, check this out. 53% of born-again Christians believe Satan is will. Only 53% of born-again Christians. Oh, he's real. He's not real. So, wow, they believe that he's real. Only 53%. The religious group with the strongest belief in existence of Satan. Why? 72% of Catholics say Satan is non-existence. 72%. of women reject Satan's existence. 59% of men reject Satan's existence. And 59% of Mormons believe Satan is real. When we are under attack in our homes, in our lives, in this world, what do we need to do? We must learn here tonight to lean upon the word of God. You see, David understands, and he actually writes on our behalf. Now, notice, in this psalm, we see the psalmist going back and forth in how. He's a lot like us. How so? He goes between doubt and faith, between despair and hope, between pessimism and optimism, and looking at his circumstances and looking at God. Can I get an amen? Because that's us. This is why I chose this series, because we're so much like David. You and I, we can go from one minute being hallelujah with a lot of, let's go, God, to five minutes later going, I don't know what I'm doing, God, you left me. We have a lot of, no, it's going to be all right, too. I don't know if it's going to be all right. And I love the heart of David because I can relate. Can you guys relate? It's exactly what he's doing. And so my prayer tonight is the message will help you. Help you what? See, when the enemy attacks our homes or the enemy attacks our marriages or the enemy attacks our minds or our hearts, we can come back to this psalm and see what we need to do. See what we need to do. Now, let me illustrate it. Guys, let me illustrate my introduction with this. You ready? Tradition says the running of the bulls. Do you guys remember that? began in northeastern Spain during the 14th century. Everybody know what the running of the bulls are? You know exactly. Why anyone would want to run down a crowded street with an angry bull chasing you is beyond me. (laughs) Okay? The thought of being trampled or gored isn't appealing. Even though it happens, people still do it. I've also watched wolves, wild dogs, coyotes attack their prey. With teeth bared and mouth salivating, they circle the blind side and eventually pounce on their victims. The psalmist, David, felt surrounded by his enemies. The words here are prophetic on how Jesus would later feel when his enemies eventually called for his death. In many Countries, even America, Christians, you and I are under attack. We're under attack today. You understand that. The attack 
could involve jail time, beatings, or even death. Or maybe it's a little more subtle, Eva. Like how? Well, maybe they're going to try to take prayer out of our schools. Or the Ten Commandments being removed from public places. Or the media ridiculing those who take a faith stand or immoral ways of living being promoted as the norm. Can I get an amen? Why? We've seen that. We've seen that right now. And I would bet my older Christians in here, those who, I'm not talking saying you're old, but those who have walked with Jesus for a while, probably never thought we would see this day. I certainly haven't. I certainly didn't think we would see this day where the media and everything else has turned against the believer. What's really sad is if you'll listen to what's going on in the world with with spiritual ears, you realize that this is not something new. This didn't happen in the last two years, but they've been planning this for the last 50 years. And we're right in the middle. This is why, as your pastor, my heart breaks when someone walks away from God. Because now is not the time to walk away from God. Now is not the time. Now is not the time. When I'm under attack for my faith... If I can be honest for you, it's common for me to overreact. When I'm being attacked for my faith, oftentimes, guys, I can spew hateful words against those who attack me or promote ungodly lifestyles. I can act if, as, if I'm better than them and walk around with my religious nose in the air. Or... I can withdraw like a hermit and refuse to associate with anyone but my own kind. But to be honest with you, there's better responses. You go, well, like what? Well, let me give you four responses. Jot these down when you're under attack. Number one, jot this down if you're taking note. Recognize you're in the battle. Okay? Recognize you're in the battle. Let me give you a sub point. The struggle is real and yet it's a lie. Does that make sense? The struggle is real, and yet it's a lie. This is why it's so hard to swallow the prosperity gospel. First and foremost, if you have to put a word before gospel, then it's a false gospel. But the prosperity gospel will, will make you believe that there is no struggle, that you are in control of all things. And I'm telling you right now, the battle is real. Can I get a good amen? You guys know what I'm talking about. But the second thing we need to do, jot this down, stop listening to yourself. That's weird. Now I'm going to show you what David means. Stop listening to yourself. But let me, let me give you number three. You ready? Start talking to yourself in truth. Start talking to yourself. Wait a minute, Ben. I'm supposed to stop listening to me, but I'm supposed to start talking to me? Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll see why. And then the fourth truth, guys, that you're going to see, this is what we do when we're under attack. You go directly to God. You go directly to God. Let me give them to you again. Recognize you're in a battle. Okay, okay. I acknowledge I'm in a battle. Number two, stop listening to yourself. 
start talking to yourself in truth and go directly to God. Everybody got those? So with that, let's jump into our study. Look at verse 1 and 2. The psalmist writes, As the deer, notice, pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? David writes as he's on the run from Absalom. He's been dethroned and he's out of his home in Jerusalem. Now, church, listen to me. For just a moment, feel the weight of what's going on. You see, you and I in 2022, sitting in our comfortable chairs, we cannot feel the weight of what David is doing. David is now, his son has rebelled against him. He's turned against him. His heart is broken. You understand that. His heart is broken. This is his son. This is my boy. This is Absalom. You realize that David loved Absalom so much that even when it was an opportunity to kill his own son, he said, don't kill the boy. Don't kill him. But he's trying to kill you, David. Don't kill my boy. Then he's away from the throne. Oh, he's not king anymore. And then he's away from his home. And all his other children, you understand that. David ran a lot, didn't he? He was always on the run. And here's what he writes. His first words are, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so, David says, my soul pants for justice. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say justice. My soul pants for a good attorney. I got need help. My soul pants for some courage. No, no, he says, as the deer pants for water, David says, my soul pants for you. Now, when we read this, okay, we, we, it means nothing unless we understand what David is really writing. Why? Well, again, back in 1984, a song was written by Martin De, J. Nostrum, and it's a beautiful song. And we sing it in church. As the deer panteth for the water, right? We sing it. It's a beautiful song. So my, and, and I love it, and our hands are raised, but we need to understand, what's he talking about? Well, I draw your attention to the word deer. Why? Because here's what you need to know about deer. If you study deer, if you study deer, here's what you're going to find. They don't pant like a dog does. They don't pant like a dog does. They, you, don't have a, you don't have a deer in your yard, and he's like... <laughs> He, they, he didn't do that. Deers don't do that. You understand. What do you mean, Pastor? Listen to me. The only time a deer pants for water is when he's under attack. When he's being chased by his enemy. And what will happen is a deer will use 80% of his water reserves when running away from his enemy. As a matter of fact, you can chase a deer to death. Why? Well, they will run until they become dehydrated and eventually die. 
You're like, no way. So what happens, guys, is when they get away from their enemy, they're no longer under attack or there's no longer a threat. What's the first thing they do? They look for the water brook. (laughs) They look for, for what? They look for the water. The very first thing. And here's what you need to jot down. God is the water we seek when we're under attack. You got to grasp that, guys. God is that water that we should pant for when we're under attack, when we're being chased. Now, Before we move on, think about this. David says this, notice, as the deer pants for the water, he says, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul, that's the operative word, thirst for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He says, my soul longs and my soul thirsts. I find that interesting. I find that when we are under attack, when we're being chased by the enemy, when when there is a spiritual attack on our lives, a lot of us have a tendency to run opposite of God. Instead of running to God, we run away from God. And here's why. The reasoning behind that is if we realize, oh, well, I'm a Christian, and if I wasn't a Christian, maybe I wouldn't be attacked. Maybe there wouldn't be all this going around because all of a sudden, some of my attacks are so outrageous. I never thought a family member would raise up and and come against me. That was weird. And so what happens when we make a mistake, when we make a bad choice, when we stumble, when we fall, here's what happens, church. We have a tendency to back away from God and not run to him. And what we tend to do is we tend to back away, and we back away, and we'll, we'll stand over here for a little while, and we'll stand off to the corner, and we won't get engaged in fellowship, and we won't read our Bibles, and we'll sit here, and we'll go that for a few months, and then we realize, okay, things are okay. And so we'll sort of come out looking like this, going, maybe it's okay. God, is it okay? Am I, am I good? Am I, am I... And yet... That's the difference between religion and a relationship. Religion says, oh no, I've done something wrong. I hope dad doesn't find out. A relationship goes, oh no, I did something wrong. I need to tell dad. I need to tell dad. I was watching a clip the other day, an inspirational clip, And it was a lady asking Steve Harvey, Steve Harvey, why men lie? Why men lie? Why do men lie? And he says, we lie. I'll do my best, Steve Harvey. We lie because we're afraid to tell you the truth because of your reaction. And then the clip goes off. And I started thinking about this in terms of Christianity. Why do we... Why do we back off from God instead of running to God? Why, church? Because we're afraid of the consequences. We're afraid of being able to tell God the truth. 
And yet God knows the truth. He sees our hearts. And so how much better for you and I as believers to run into the throne and go, God, I messed up. I am just, I am stressed. My heart hurts. I'm broken. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, God. Instead, we go, Craig, I'm under attack and I didn't handle it very well. I'm gonna, I'll be over here, okay? I'll be over here. Don't, don't ask for me. Don't. And then when a brother and sister comes looking for, hey, how you doing? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And what do you think the enemy does at that time? Oh, well, you're having a bad hair day, bro. I'll leave you alone. And as a matter of fact, they come harder and they start talking to you, start telling you. They don't care about you. They're judging you. That church is judging you. Those Christians are judging you. They're just, they're talking about you behind your back. And so what do we do? We back off, we back off, we back. David says, listen guys, when we're under attack and when we make mistakes and we make a bad choice, whatever it might be, run to God. That's what he's saying. David says, man, ask that deer. I saw the deer. I saw it. That's how I am. That's how I am. And so point number one, we need to grasp, we need to recognize we're in the battle. Understand you're not just having a bad day because the battle is real and the enemy is pursuing you. What's his goal? What's his intent? Listen to me. He can't take your salvation away from you, but he can get you to where you're discouraged. He can get you to where you're depressed. He can get you to where you're not effective in the kingdom. That's what he tries to do. He wants to shelve you in your walk. You used to go to work and be like, I'm telling everybody about Jesus. I'm having a great day. And boom. Okay. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to live and let live. I'm not going to tell anybody nothing. If they want to go to hell, that's up to them. That's not us. That's not us. We have to go, okay. okay. And that's the point. Recognize you're in a battle. Recognize. Look at we verse 3 with me, guys. David says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? Wow. This verse tells the intense grief and sorrow that David felt. Why? He said, I had no appetite. I had no appetite. He says, I wept day and night. Can you imagine? Yes, some of you have been in there. Some of you have wept day and night. Only God knows the tears that you've shed, not even your husband or your wife. And this is what David says. And his tears reminded him, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? When your child runs away, where's God? Where's your God when you lose a loved one? Where's God? When you have someone very dear to you in the hospital, where's God? When you look at your bank account and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet, where's God? When you watch the news and you see the world falling apart, where's God? That's what David's going through. He experienced frustration and it was brought on by taunts of his enemies who suggested God has abandoned you. God has abandoned. David says, guys, my tears have been my food. In other words, let me just modernize it. David says, I'm super bummed. I'm super bummed. 
Ever been there? Ever been in a place where you're super bummed? And being bummed sits real close to being depressed. You understand that, right? They're, they're neighbors. Like they're, they're adjoining neighborhoods. You can easily go from being bummed to being depressed to being discouraged. And David is super bummed. But I asked the question, what's David bummed about? What's, what's David bummed? Why is, he, why is he saying, my tears? <laughs> if you took David out for a cup of coffee and he sat there, he'd be crying in his coffee. And you'd ask him, why are you bummed? Why is David bummed? That's the good question, is it not? Why is David bummed? Is he bummed because he's not king anymore? Well, I had to leave the palace and I just loved when they fed me grapes. They were so good. And you know what? In the morning, I didn't even have to make my own coffee. It came to me. Perfect. Was David bummed because of that? Was he bummed because he wasn't king? No, I'll tell you what he was bummed. He was super bummed because he had to leave the temple and the worship of God. How do you know? Well, look at verse 4 with me. Verse 4b. He said, I used to go with the multitude. I went to them in the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept the pilgrim's feast. Can you see? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? This is why he's bummed. And yet, the taunts are because, like, where's God? Where's God? And David is just, he's just excited. Now, who's taunting them? Who are the they? Who are the they? Well, let's find out who the they are because he keeps saying, they, they are continually saying, where is your God? Who are they? Well, jump over to verse 9 and 10 of the same chapter, verse, verse 42, 9 and 10. He says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Question mark. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. Why they say to me all day long, where's your God? So what's he saying? Verse 3, guys, enemies of David are the ones taunting him. When you're under attack spiritually, it may be flesh and blood. Where's your God? Tell me how God did this. And here's what's it. Are you really a Christian? Is that what Christians do? And you'll have flesh and blood. Remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You've got to know where it's coming from. But you will also have the fiery darts from the enemy in your own mind. Where's God? Where's God? Is God God or not? Is he your God? Well, I thought God was loving. How come he's not doing this? Well, I thought God was all forgiving. Well, I thought, and, and he, and, and, and those, those fiery darts in our mind will come. And what do they do, church? They cause us to doubt who God is. And if you allow them to go in your life, listen to me, church, if you allow them to go over and over, eventually you'll have a very shallow walk in the power of God won't be effective in your life. How can I say to my neighbor, God is good, when I continually doubt in my heart? But God is good. Yeah, I know. And so again, think about what he's saying. Guys, they, his enemies, 
who are our enemies? Well, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, so the attacks have to come from the enemy, from the evil one. You go, well, listen, I'm not really, um, I'm not all that, that Satan is after me. No, but you know what Satan does? He has his minions, his little demons that have scoped out your life, and he knows exactly which buttons to push exactly at the right time to get you to fall. And what he hates more than anything is this Bible study where you can go, wait a minute, that's the enemy. I need to go back and I need to realize. I need to realize. I need to recognize we're in a battle. Okay, Ben, I got this. So we recognize that we're in a real battle. Now, keep this in mind. The enemy of your soul will often produce evidence, but let me say this, it's false evidence. You guys with me? Say false evidence. Just so I just want to make sure you're up to back up what he's saying. You go, what do you mean? Well, let me give you two examples. When you, when you are in a super bummed, worst day of your life attack, the enemy will fire his fiery darts in your mind. And he'll go back to whatever happened, whether it's a blow up with your boss or your spouse or whatever it might be, and you'll go back in your mind and you'll say, uh, he'll tell you, you should have said this. You should have said that. Or it's maybe the way you looked at them or how they felt ignored or stunned. And all this is false evidence. All this is false evidence. Let me give you a second example. Do you guys remember Jacob's 12 boys? You guys remember his boys? Remember what they did to Joseph? What was that? They sold him into slavery with the band of Midianites, right? But the evidence they produced, do you guys remember what it was? It was a torn coat. It was a, it was, it was a coat torn in pieces, dipped in blood. So why? So the father would think, everybody say think, that it was true. You see the point I'm trying to get at? The enemy is going to produce false evidence to back up his lie. The enemy is going to produce false evidence to back up his lie. You go, Ben, okay, I got this, but what should we do? Remain faithful to the truth, the word of God. The word of God. Church, listen, ever since the pandemic hit in 2020, I have been bombarded with videos and teachings and I'll, I couldn't tell you of what the world was, what was supposed to happen. And, it, and, and it's got me to the place now where if somebody sends me a video and I watch it, I watch it with a grain of salt and go, okay, let's see. Because the only truth I know is the word of God. And although it seems true to me, ever been there, Mike? It may not be true, true, truly. And then we'd look like, you know, I mean, I mean, that all happened in 2021 when the presidency and this was going to happen and that was going to happen and wait for March this and we, we got all excited for something to happen and here we are about four months from the midterms and I was thinking about that. I was like, how did we even get to the midterms? We were supposed to... You go, Ben, what's your point? Quit rambling. Here, here it is, guys. What do we do even if the enemy has produced false evidence? Remain faithful. Remain faithful and obedient. Let me say that again. Remain faithful and obedient. This is key. This is key. The key about obedience, you ready? 
is that we have to obey. Let me illustrate it this way. I heard a story. I think you'll find it interesting. It was over in 2011. It was the 4th of July weekend. A group of motorcyclists gathered in a place I can't pronounce in New York. It's Onondaga. I think that's how you say it. Onondaga, New York, to ride and protest. And here's what they were protesting. They were protesting against a New York state law that required, this is 2011, that motorcycle riders to wear a helmet. They said we should not be forced to ride to wear a helmet. One of those riding in the protest was a 55-year-old man from Parrish, New York. During the ride, the police say his 1983 Harley-Davidson spun out of control and he flew headfirst over the handlebars. His head struck the pavement, skull was fractured, he was pronounced dead at the hospital. The police and the doctor treating the man said afterwards that if he had been wearing a helmet, he probably would have survived the accident. The group organizing the protest Ride said that while they encourage voluntary use of motorcycle helmets, they oppose the mandatory helmet laws. Whatever the case for against laws concerning motorcycle helmets, you cannot miss the irony of this accidental death. The man died protesting a law. If he had obeyed it, would have saved his life. So it's an interesting story, but here's the point. The point is... The key is about obedience is that we have to obey. You obey what? Remember, remain faithful and obey what God says. We don't understand. I'm under attack. I, this is not good. I'm having a bad day. It's even a worse day. I'm having a bad month. You don't understand. Stay faithful to the word of God. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, this is for some people watching online. This is for some people in here. But the enemy does not, just because you're having a bad day, he doesn't give up on us, guys. He keeps on coming, and he keeps on coming, and he keeps on coming. But let me remind you, not everything that's happening to you in your life is an attack from Satan. You go, sometimes life, life just happens. Life just happens. And you wake up one morning, and um, guess what? Your boss is in a bad mood, and he ruins the whole day. He just does. Or whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. You realize how things can change in an instant in our lives. You realize that. You see, for me, it was my father-in-law just yesterday had a doctor's appointment at 9 o'clock in the morning and ended up, ended up in the hospital, in the ER. How did that happen? God is good. That's how it happened. You see, a simple doctor's appointment turned into, oh, I need to show you something on my leg, which ended up going, you need to go to the hospital because this isn't right, and you need to be, and so he's admitted. But the point is, yesterday, everything in my life was changing moment by moment. Can it happen? Just like that. You know what they thought? They thought, we're going to get up, we'll go to the doctor, we're going to set our appointment for what we need to do, we're going to go out to eat, it's going to be a great day, what a beautiful day, and they were going to go on their way and everything was going to be fine, but we don't realize this would happen in a moment. We need to be ready, church. Believers, we need to be ready. Okay. How am I ready? I can't handle, I don't know what, the, what tomorrow's going to bring, but you're, you're rooted in your foundation as the Word of God. You're rooted in Christ. You're walking in the Holy Spirit. And we're obeying the word of God. Well, what happens when things go south? Well, number two, stop listening to yourself. How so? Well, you can write next to verse four, negative talk. 
negative talk. How so? Look at verse 4. David says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go to the multitude, and, I, and I'd go to the house of God, and the voice of joy and praise with the multitude. What's David doing here? Come on, somebody. He's remembering, and he's talking to himself, and the only problem is it's not helping. Ever done that? Oh, you see, one of the biggest traps in our lives is idealism. This is ideally, this is where I should be in life. And when ideals don't happen, we get super bummed. Well, I thought at 55, I'd be a millionaire. Well, I thought it by the time I'd have, drop it. All we have is today. All we have is today. David there's a lot of negative, right? He's, he's, he's super bummed, and what's he doing? He goes, how you doing, Dave? <sighs> Man, I'm not doing well at all. Why? What's the matter, bro? Man, I used to remember, I, I mean, man, my soul pours out within me. Well, what happens? I remember when I used to go to church with Calvary Chapel. and these They were so beautiful. I loved it. I remember talking. And I, it just... <sighs> It's really hard. Why? Because I remember when Mike and Eva would drive up. I would just, oh, it was so good. It was so good. I love them. And then Rosa and Mary would come in and, oh, my heart would rejoice. And oh, it was so good. I loved it. I loved the church family. Oh, and then when, and then, of course, Joe, Joe, how you doing, Joe? Hard work, clean living. And so that was, Wow. It was so good. And that's what David's doing. David is super bummed because he remembered all that. But it's not helping. Guys, listen, when you're depressed or you're bummed or you're having a bad day, don't try to cheer yourself up. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why? Because the more David thinks about God, worship the temple, the more he gets depressed. Now, you might say, how does this happen? When we experience the agony of the present, as suggested by the phrase, I pour out my soul within me, as we recall everything of the past that he was involved with others and the joyful and the worship. See, David reflects on the happy scenes of his past and he must have been encouraged to continue hoping God in the present. So we have to be careful. You have to be careful. Here's the point. Be careful what you think. Be careful. Be careful with the negative talk. I remember, here's a, here's a common phrase we use, the good old days. I remember the good old days. I remember, and all of us, when we're super, come on somebody, you're looking at me like you don't believe me. When we're super bummed, we tend to go back to a happier time, don't we? And if you really think about it, it wasn't much happier. Oh man, if I could go back to high school, I would do things different. And then I tell myself, dude, you hated high school, I know. Come on, guys. Come on. Right? Do you remember that girl that broke up with you? Do you remember the girl, the guy that broke up with you? Oh, you guys were horrible together, but all you remember was the good times. I just miss him. We had so much. No, you didn't. You fought all the time. And then you get over him and you go, you're right. <laughs> what was I thinking? Oh, I almost took him back. I almost took her back. Come on, somebody. You remember. Now, don't look at your wife now. Don't be like, it's her. 
I married her. Number three, guys, start, start talking to yourself the truth, though. In truth, start talking to yourself. Okay? Now, I don't mean walk around the house. How many of you walk around the house talking to yourself? I can't believe I put this in here. Who are you talking to? Just me. Anybody talk to themselves? <laughs> I love it. I like Mike's. <laughs> Mike is honest. He's like, that's me. I talk to myself. It's okay to talk to yourself. Just don't answer yourself, okay? Now, it's one thing. It's one thing. Like I say, who's talking? Me, myself, and I. We're just, we're having a meeting right now. All three of us. We're just trying to decide to do our <laughs> Anyways, I, I digress. Let's go back. Start talking to yourself. Look at verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I, sh- for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. What is David saying? Well, David asked two questions. He's going to talk the truth. He's, he's going to say, he's going to say positive things. He's going to say, okay, so oh, let me, let me think, let me think about this for a second. Why are you so downcast? Why are you down in the dumps is what he's saying. This means to be cast down, to be depressed, to sink under the weight of sorrow. If you're taking notes, David asked this question four times in chapter, in verse five, verse six, verse 11, and then in chapter 43, verse five. He's going to ask this question. Why are you downcast? Why are you disquieted within me? This suggests he's agitated in a troubled mind. Here are the right things we need to communicate to our own hearts. What's that? He says, hope in God, for I shall praise him for his help and his continence. He says, why are you super bombed? Why are you so agitated? Ever ask yourself that question? Why are you angry? Why are you in a bad mood? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, get right with the Lord. Nothing that worship can't fix. Ever turn on the music loud and worship God, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm in a much better mood. It's hard to be in a bad mood when you're worshiping God. It's hard to be in a bad mood. Man, you're putting on your best worship music, and whoo, man. Listen, what I want you to see here, guys, and this is key. David realizes he doesn't have to be in the temple of Jerusalem to worship God. He doesn't have to be. So, so earlier, he's like, I don't know why I can't go. He's like, wait a minute. I can worship God here. I can worship God right where I am. All right. Hope in God. For I shall praise him, the help of God of my continence. Guys, stop. Stop listening to yourself, start talking in truth, and lastly, go directly to God. Look at the last two verses. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say to me all day long, where's your God? There it is again, guys. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my continence and my God. Here's what he's saying. My enemies are talking trash. They're saying things about me, but I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm going directly to God. He's my hope. He's my hope. I put my hope in God. I will praise him. I will praise him. 
Guys, the, Psalm 43 is the psalmist, his mood changes one more of confidence and trust. So your homework for tonight is just to read Psalm 43 before you go to bed. Okay? And so you'll get a good clue. How imperative is it that we go directly to God? Let me just say this for you in the few minutes that I have left. Tal, you can go ahead and come up here because we're closing. But here's the one thing that we need to do. Oftentimes when we're under attack, when we're listening to ourselves, when we got our soul is agitated, when we're super bugged or we're bummed, we have a tendency, come on church, we have a tendency to talk to other people. And one or, things, one or two things will happen. One or two things will happen. You go, what's that? Either, either man, you've got a very strong Christian, a very strong brother and sister that says, snap out of it. Come on, man. Let's go to God. And you go, okay, man. I've, or you're going to bum them out. And you're going to bum them out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if David didn't go to God and he started going, hey, I'm so bummed, I can't go to the temple, I can't pray, I just can't do this. And somebody's going, I know. And now you got two. And now you got three. And now you got four. But he says, no, 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 I'm going to go to God. And then he realizes, why why am I so bummed? Is, Is being king, oh, no, no, that's not it. That's not it. Is, is the perks of the palate? No, that's not it. That's You know what? I can worship God where I am. Here's where David realized, here's what we need to realize. You ready? As we close. Understand in our lives. You ready, church? This is key. God is sovereign in our lives. And if you'll let him control, you'll let him lead, you'll let him guide. The things that happen to you, you go, God, listen, here's what I do know. I'm a believer. Everybody say this. I'm a believer. And what happens to me has to go through God first. So if I'm away from the temple like David, God, you know, I'm going to worship you now. David's going to go back in the temple. If you find yourself in a cave or in a pit, wherever it might be, what do we need to do? We just stay close to the word of God, to the truth and the word of God. When I'm super bummed, worship in the word, that's what's key. That's what's key. Worship in the word. If you're here today and you're under attack, I want to pray for you. So as we let the lights go down, and we get our hearts ready. If you're under attack, I'm going to just, um, I'm just going to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you're just like, man, Pastor, you're talking to me. I've had some really hard attacks. And I know, I know. We had a, we, 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 it's been a tough week. We had a sister in the fellowship get rear end in her car. She's doing okay, thank God. But I mean, that's, it's just like, oh, one thing after another, after another. My friends up in Amarillo, one thing after another, after another. It's just, it feels like no end. We need to speak the truth. Stop the negative talk. God is good. God is good. God is good. Lord, save me. Lord, protect me. Listen, there have been times in my life where I thought, man, I don't ever want to do this again. And the hurt has been so unbelievably real. And then I find myself just a little bit later, a few years later, with, with 
one of the best church families I could ever imagine. And sometimes, sometimes we have to go through the hurt to get to the good. As we learn the lessons and we move forward, we go directly to God. Will you pray with me? Bow your heads. Father, I thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. And Father, we want to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. And I want to pray specifically for anyone here. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're listening via podcast or we're on the radio sometime with this message. And, and, and you're right now you're going, oh my gosh, I'm under, I can feel it. There's some stuff going on in my life. And, uh, and I needed this, I needed this message tonight. I needed this message. If you're here tonight and you've been under attack, can I just pray for you real quick? All you have to do is lift up your hand. Just go, Pastor, would you, would you pray for me? Nobody will see it. I'll see it. And uh, God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for you right now. Under attack, whatever it is for you, is there anyone else? Just lift up your hand. Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised. I want to pray specifically right now for those that are under attack, God, that we would learn from, Lord, that we recognize we're in a battle. That's the first thing. Lord, the second thing is is that is that we, we need to stop the negative talk in our minds. We need to stop listening to ourselves, Lord, on what was or what could be or or how the enemy's saying that, that Lord, that you're not around. And we need to start speaking the truth. And I pray for everyone whose hand was raised, start speaking the truth. The truth of the gospel. And if you've raised your hand tonight, listen to the truth of the gospel. You are blessed. You are loved. God loves you so much. He's got his arms wrapped around you. He's not going to let the enemy get to you. Listen to me. The truth of the gospel is that not only are you blessed on earth, but you're going to, be, you're going to have an eternal life with him. And all the enemy's trying to do right now is rob you of your peace and your joy and your strength and your smile. And what you need to do right now is simply just cry out to God. And I pray for each one whose hand was raised. As we take this last song, church, will you just cry out to the Lord and just go back to the heart of worship. Go back to just praising Him. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. In your name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.